Welcome to EU Code Week podcasts. We bring coding, computational thinking, robotics, and innovation closer to you, your community, and your school. and welcome. This is your host speaking, Eugenia Casariego, and together with Arjana Blasic, we bring you another episode of the Corvic Podcast. Through this series of podcasts, we'd like to contribute to changing education in Europe and adapting it to a society that is getting more and more digitalized. Indeed, Ariana, and also I wanted to commend that both Ariana and myself are part of the EU Codewick team. We are in charge of all educational resources and we're very passionate about everything technology and, of course, teaching and education in general. In this episode, we are going to talk about coding for students with special educational needs. We think that we can encourage all students in uh, our classrooms to give it a try. Very often, students with autism, ADHD, or some learning difficulties find they love programming. Exactly, but how can we bring coding to these classrooms? Is there a specific methodology that we can bring about? And is there any tips, tips, recommendation? Is there something that we can actually do better? Well, this is something that we want to cover in today's episode. And so we have brought with us another guest speaker, Nif Brady from Ireland, who will solve these questions and much more. Nif, very welcome. How are you today? Thanks so much for the invitation. And I'm delighted to be joining you here today. Tell us a bit more about your expertise on the topic. Um, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners, to our uh, audience today? My name is Neve, and I'm a primary school teacher in Ireland. And I've been teaching for the last 15 years. And um, 14 years of that has been in mainstream education. And in the last year, I've moved to special education. And I'm actually working in a special school for the last year, teaching a special class. I have been teaching coding outside of school and during school um, for a number of years now. I had the opportunity to work as a special education teacher in mainstream, which is slightly different to what I'm doing now. And I also taught coding to the students that I was teaching as a special education teacher. And I suppose that experience led me then or helped me grow in confidence with diversifying coding. And it has allowed me to bring it into a, a special class setting in my in my new school. Before we start, can you please define a special educational needs so that our listeners understand it better, what it actually means? What type of children does this include or what does it refer to? For example, the class that I had this year, I had six students in my room. They were fifth years, so that means they were 16, 17 years of age, and they all had a diagnosis of mild general learning difficulties. And what that means is that they're lagging behind in all subject areas in comparison to other students of their age. And with that diagnosis, then they are entitled to access a special school setting, um, which is which is um, separate to mainstream education. As well as my students having a diagnosis of uh, mild general learning difficulties, they're also on the autism spectrum disorder. Niamh, you mentioned different needs that your students have. What would you say, how deeply can these different educational needs affect their ability to learn? The needs of the children that I'm teaching, they vary greatly from child to child. 
Um, I might have children with severe literacy uh, needs. So they find it very um, difficult to read or to write because they, uh, they, they are ASD students. Um, some of them might stem a lot, which is like maybe might be um, an involuntary movement, but that's them trying to self-regulate. So they might be rocking back and forth or they might be making noises to themselves to regulate themselves, to bring themselves back down. They might be nonverbal or pre-verbal or have a very limited vocabulary. Or there could be like a multitude of other different issues going on. And I suppose that's why it's very important as a teacher to know exactly what the individual needs of each pupil in your class is. And then to be able to address those needs and help them access the curriculum in a meaningful way. And also to allow them to, to grow individually and that you're nurturing their educational learning as well. Do your students have major curriculum adaptations or do they follow mostly the, the main curriculum of Ireland? It's a different curriculum that they're following. So uh, typically a fifth year would be in, would in mainstream would be following the leaving, leaving certificate cycle. So the students that I have are, are studying the QQI level three curriculum, which is equivalent to the junior cycle in mainstream secondary schools here in Ireland. So, uh, so to answer your question, it's, it's slightly different curriculum, but it does mean that they can go on to access further ed education if they want to once they've passed the QQI level three curriculum. Do we do enough to bring diverse teaching materials to special education needs schools? Is teaching coding and computational thinking common in these schools or are you one of the first? Tell us uh, a bit more about this then. I'm only coming from my own context, so I don't know if I'm one of the first. Mm -hmm. um, I do know traditionally in the school that I'm in pre-COVID, they would have had um, like coding club on a, um, on a Friday. And I know my class did stop motion animation last year with, um, with their class teacher. I think traditionally in my school, exploring other avenues and expressing themselves in different ways has always been like a like part of the ethos of the school that I'm working in. But I do think in general, I don't think coding would typically be a subject that would be taught to children with special educational needs. I think people might have the misconception that it would be too difficult for them. I suppose coding is relatively new in the primary school setting in Ireland anyway. It's only in recent years that it has, has creeped into our, into our school setting and becoming more, more the norm. From my experience of teaching coding and from my love of coding and also from teaching it specifically to students with special educational needs in mainstream, then I just, I didn't even contemplate, I didn't even think about it. It just was, this is happening. I'm going to be teaching coding to my, my fifth year group this year. And it was, a, it was a very exciting, not going to say challenge, very exciting experience. And it was just amazing to see how the children were able to express themselves in different ways using the coding. And even like a child that would have very limited vocabulary in my room, how she expressed herself how she spoke through her animations was just fabulous. Yeah, that's great to hear. The good thing as well about coding and programming is that there's so many different options. Like there's visual programming languages, but as well there's text-based. And so there's so many options for them to learn the thing that fits them, that fits their, their way of expressing themselves, as you were saying right now. So it's, it's great that this is uh, something to be started, that we are starting on. And that there's, of course, lots of work to be done as well in mainstream education. What type of activities do you do when teaching coding to your students? Uh, do you use any specific tools or programming languages? Yeah, so I suppose a few years ago, I actually did a postgrad certificate in 21st century teaching and learning. And I 
from that uh, course, I learned a new approach to teaching programming with students. And that's called the Bridge 21 model. And it's, uh, it's an inquiry based learning approach. So usually I'd start off my lessons by having a CS unplugged activity. And that's just to help the children understand the concepts that they're going to be learning in the main body of the lesson. And then once we've completed that, then we go on to look at the the main lesson. I find with uh, children that have special educational needs, the more visual the resources, the better. So I'd have a lot of extras. So if I was using like a scratch lesson, for example, I would have my own visual aids to accompany that lesson. These children need that scaffolding to to help them access the curriculum and whatever individual lesson you're teaching. So once they've understood the concept, once we've had a talk about it, then it's very much leaving the children up to their own devices, really. You're giving them that space, that space for them to, like a, a safe space for them to be creative and to express themselves. And some of them might have visual aids beside them or on the interactive whiteboard at the top of the room. I might be coding along and they have to follow me. It's very much pupil led and sometimes teachers can be nervous using that approach because I suppose traditionally it's always been kind of teacher led. So I very much once I've kind of delivered the outcomes and expectations and the success criteria, I step back and let them let them loose, basically, and just let their creative juices flow, which is very exciting to see the end results then is very exciting. How they react to this? Because, you know, it's also difficult in mainstream education for the teacher to step back. Also for the teacher to be willing to uh, lose the control, so to say. And then also difficult for the students to understand that they own their learning. So how do they react to this? Um, They react really well to it because... Because of the age group that I'm teaching, like they're young adults, they're they're finding themselves, they're ex- like they're expressing themselves. They know that they're almost adults. So I think they like that element of freedom that I think it creates a great culture of trust in the classroom. It gives them a great self-confidence. And I think they like that freedom to be able to express themselves. They have a respect then for me that I'm allowing them that that I'm not, you know, that's not a controlled environment that they can go and do whatever they want within reason, of course. And then they're able to show, like, they all have different likes and interests. So the fact that they're able to bring that in, they're really able to show their personality then in what they in what they code. But they like that they don't have to copy what I'm doing, they don't have to copy what the person beside them is do, doing, that they have that free reign to um, express themselves. Yeah, and to take ownership, as Ariana was now saying, for their own learning, I think it's really motivating. They're more proud of their work then as a result, because it's their work, you know, it's it's their ideas, their thoughts, their work. Their decisions ultimately, indeed, yeah. and it's what they decided on. So yeah, I find this actually very valuable then to bring to special education, because very often it's done the opposite way, you know, it's so controlled and it's so without their decisions in mind, at least from my experience of a special education in Spain, it's it's quite a bit the opposite. So it's very good to see that there's already been done the contrary, you know, that you let them decide. I'm curious to hear a bit more concrete projects and ideas that you've been developing with your class and that your students then have developed. What some projects, some uh, applications of coding that you've seen in your class? I'm now very curious and excited to hear more. (laughs) Well, I try to vary it. So traditionally this year, coding happened every Friday 
and the children they like routine and they're like they don't like when there's change so they know that coding happens on a Friday so I started off at the beginning of the year assuming that they had no prior knowledge of coding and then it was only afterwards then I realized that they had a little bit of experience with the stop motion animation and actually their digital literacy is very good it's one of the modules that they would have completed for their junior cycle so they are very au fait with digital technologies and um a lot of the kids in my class would be gamers as well at home in their free time. So just to, to help them understand the whole concept of coding and block based coding and snapping the code together so that it'll run. I used an online resource called Blockly and that helped them become familiar with, as I said, snapping the code together. We were using Chromebooks, so even using the mouse pad to even drag and drop. That was it. for some of them with fine motor skills. They found that a little bit tricky. So it was a good activity to to help them de develop that that skill that they'd need to go on then for Scratch or Lego WeDo or whatever other block-based programming platform they were using. So once we'd achieved a few levels in the Blockly, we progressed to Scratch then because we were getting ready for Code Week. And they really, really enjoyed Scratch. I would have it on the board so they could clearly see the workspace area, the different categories with all the different um, color coded sections. So once I talked through all the different sections and explained it to them, then we just started off small and then built each week we gradually built on it. And then we were ready for the, the code week animation that we all did. And the, the children all did that individually. And there was like there was very little input from me or the spe special needs assistants um, working with me. And they really, really enjoyed it. And then we showcased all their work on the board afterwards. So it was really nice for them because of COVID, we have to all maintain social distancing practices. So it was really nice to be able to see each individual project then up on the, on the big screen. And they were very, very, again, very proud of their work. They were delighted with the certificate they got. It just meant so much to them, you know, and they felt, ooh, we're the only class doing this. They just felt as if, they, were, they felt as if they were brilliant and they are brilliant. They are, yeah, that's so, so great to hear. And I'm glad that Code Week provided them this opportunity of recognition of their work and of their efforts. So it's, uh, it's really good to hear as well from your side how that worked. Um, so yeah, that, that's really amazing. And I'm really glad that your class then collaborated to Code Week. Eventually, that's the whole idea of Code Week is to bring people together, to recognize the students' work and students' creativity. So, so thank you very much for that. Yeah, we were so successful with Scratch and we kept up with Scratch. Um, but then, as I said, I like to vary it up a bit so that um, it's it's different every week. I actually have a class set of micro bits. So once they've learned the basics in Scratch, then to just change it up, we apply the same skills and knowledge in Microsoft Make Code. And the interface is quite similar to Scratch. So they're able to transition almost seamlessly from Scratch then to the Microsoft Make Code. And what they liked about the micro bits is then they had something tangible, something physical. With Scratch, it's very much on the screen and they love that. They love creating the animations and the cartoons and things like that. But then for them, for them to have a physical device in their hands that they have coded and told what to do, that just brought a whole new dimension to the class and to, the, to our coding experiences. So that's another area that we did. We also followed along a few episodes of Microsoft DreamSpace. So I'm not sure if you've heard of DreamSpace here in Ireland. Um, Microsoft in Dublin have a dedicated DreamSpace centre. And before COVID, children could go up there and participate in coding events face to face with the experts up there. So during COVID then, they created like TV programmes. 
that you could follow along with coding. So we could have a live Teams call with the experts in DreamSpace and they would teach a coding class to the class via the interactive whiteboard. So we actually participated in an arcade game and the children all designed their own retro arcade game using Microsoft Arcade and that just blew their minds completely. It was fantastic because this was being delivered to mainstream schools as well and to see my class then, you know, just being so capable and they just enjoyed it so much and got so much from it. We kind of just chop and change each week. We also use Lego We Do. Again, they loved that because they could build something and then code it, which was very enjoyable. And we also participated in Hour of Code and they completed a curriculum on code.org as well. So they've had huge exposure to different types of coding. And it's funny, some of them will have a preferred platform over another. And sometimes, yeah, it was on a Friday. They were like, can we do this one instead? Or, you know, and then I had to take in turns. Okay, we'll do whatever so-and-so wants to do today. And then we'll do whatever you want to do next week. That's really nice that they are as well, they start to learn what they prefer and not. Yeah. And it's very interesting to hear your experience as well within tinkering and making. And so for the next section, we want to focus a bit more on the teaching aspect and we want to provide some tips and recommendations. My first question to you, Neve, is how to get started? Because within our audience, there surely will be teachers who either work in special education needs schools or who have students in their classrooms who have teaching adaptations or curriculum adaptations. And so what would be your recommendation to these listeners? How to get started? How to go on about it? What's the first step that you would recommend? Well, I would say start small and don't be scared. Like coding is so accessible and so achievable and children like it's very effective. So by even snapping a few blocks of code together, it is amazing the results. So you can have a very effective, very impressive end result because of, uh, of a few bits of code. So just go with it. I would say that would be my recommendation. Just embrace it because you're going to be blown away by the results really. And um, I suppose that's what makes it so worthwhile. As I said, start off small, go through the lesson, know exactly what's coming up. You don't have to be an expert in this. And I would say you're never going to be an expert in it because the children nowadays are so in tune with gaming and, and the online world. They're going to bring it to a whole new level. Um, they're going to just be able to run, hit the ground running and just open up a whole new world that you never even thought was possible. And it's actually, the children love knowing more than you. So it's wonderful for them to say, no, that's not how you do it. This is how you do it. And that's great for them as well, that they're, you know, they're building up their self-confidence and, you know, let them show off a little bit and, and have that moment of glory because they don't often get it. So it's really nice that they can excel in an area where maybe they never have had an, an area that they could excel in before. So just make sure that you you are familiar with the lesson, you know exactly what it entails. You only need to be maybe one lesson ahead of the class. Have all your resources made. Just know your audience. Remember these children, the majority of them are visual learners. So have the visual aids. I've often had to code the lesson ahead of the lesson, screenshot it print it off, laminate it, and there's a visual aid for the child. If maybe one child in the, in the class needs that to keep up, well, then that's what you give, you give them. You know, you don't want to leave anyone behind. And then because with coding, it's so open, you can easily assign extra challenges for the more able children or the early finishers. 
So if they've created an animation in Scratch, you can say, right, um, let's have a two-page story. Let's have a three-page story. Can you bring in another character? So that's them being challenged and them working away on, on that area. And I suppose there's loads out there. And even there's so much online CPD um, that you can do as well. So I would say if it's an area that you want to explore further, just, yeah, jump in, jump in the deep end. And don't worry, you won't, you won't sink. You're definitely going to, you're going to be doing, um, you're going to be diving. <laughs> uh, I have a question about the students who are unwilling to learn coding, those who are not so motivated or maybe those students who don't feel confident enough, who don't believe that they can code, who believe that this is not something they, they would excel in. So how to deal with these students? Children don't like failure and they, they're very nervous. They don't want their peers to see them not being able to achieve. So that's where I think coding lends itself really well to like peer programming or pair programming. So have mixed ability groups, have them in pairs. So that the children are like ideating together and it's just even that that in itself is, is a skill. That's an area that we like we all want to develop for our students. Back and forth conversation, asking each other questions. Well, what do you think will happen if I do this? Well, you know, so it's just it's just fabulous the learning, the secondary learning, I suppose. So the, I suppose the main learning is the coding, but then you have this secondary learning going on vocabulary, um, collaboration, um, ideating and so forth. So it's just that I love I'm a big fan of pair programming. And if you do have children in your room, they're a little bit apprehensive. That's a great way for them to be comfortable with coding. And then after a while, they can they can start coding by themselves or they might want that um, support. So it's, it's up to you. Thank you for sharing all these wonderful activities and resources and also your experiences. And before we sum it up, uh, would you like to add something else? I suppose a thing that I found that worked really well with my students and is showcasing their work. And they really like their successes to be shared. So even, um, for example, when I was teaching in mainstream and I had my um, I was teaching as a special education teacher, um, the group that I was taking out for for literacy, we actually coded little stories in Scratch. And these, so these people were fifth, sixth class age group. So that's 11, 12, 10, 11, 12. So we coded stories that we then read to the junior kids in the school. And that was just fabulous. So little things like that just for the children to um, share their successes and to highlight maybe how what they're learning and I think that too will help create a culture of um, maybe enhance the coding culture in your school. Other teachers might get on board then because you might be the pioneer of coding in your school and maybe the only teacher teaching it. So it's great for other teachers to see the, the benefits of coding, what it can bring to the classroom, what, what it means to these students, how it can really enhance their lives and then maybe you could build up something beautiful in your school then as a result of that. Indeed, I think that's a great tip. And I think that's eventually what Code Week is about, is building community, inspiring other teachers, inspiring other students. I think that's a great tip and a great closing statement. 
And to sum up for our audience, so today we've talked about special education needs and how to bring code into these classrooms. And our guest, Neve, has provided a lot of interesting tips and suggestions and tools that you can try out. So our recommendation is that you go out, try it, and just dive into the deep end, and you're going to find yourself uh, that is actually easier than you would have thought. And there's a specific learning beat um, on how to teach code into students with special education needs. So for those of you who don't know yet, uh, listen. As a learning bit is a short training module where we include uh, three lesson plans together with a video translated into 29 languages. And so I very much recommend that you check this out in the website codeweek.eu. And so thanks a lot, Neve, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thanks a million. Thanks so much for having me as well. It's been really interesting to hear your perspective. I really hope, listeners, that you have learned a lot, same as us today. And we hope you have liked the episode and we invite you to check our website, godweek.eu, where we have a lot of interesting tutorials and materials prepared. So have a look. And see you next time for a new episode of our COVID podcast with some interesting facts on coding and digital technologies in education. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.